We are the forgotten generation, a misplaced slice of the 20th century when birth rates were as low as expectations for the future. We lived under the threat of constant nuclear annihilation, playing outside, but always inherently knowing the future was indoors. We are the second half of Generation X. We were some of the first to play video games, program home computers, and record CDs to cassette mixtapes. Our generation was nourished by New Wave, Imperfect Punk Rock, and John Hughes movies. We built Web 1.0 from the ground up using our childhood 8-bit and 16-bit programming skills. They call us Gen X. We prefer the vertical blank generation, where magic happens between the lines, because that's where we live, love, and thrive. We are Generation Atari. This one has a lot of visuals, so you probably need to follow along on the website to see what I'm talking about. But you also can use the theater of your mind to imagine. So here we go. The top 10 worst real-life products for classic video games. The back pages and new product section of Electronic Games Magazine in 1982 and 1983 were filled with all sorts of products, services, and offers that were dubious at best and possibly criminal at worst. It appears that in the very early days of video games, all sorts of people jumped at the chance to try to sell all manner of items to newly minted audience of arcaders and joystickers, the terms Electronic Games editors used to refer to gamers, in the early days. Here are some of the most useless and interesting and bizarre products that we could dig up from those pages. Number one, the Asteroids Halloween costume. Vinyl Halloween costumes emblazoned with brand names of major products and characters were one of the very first ways kids were subjected to product placement advertising in the 70s and 80s. At the time, parents willingly let their kids become walking billboards for major corporations and paid good money for the privilege. While Halloween is an even bigger party in 2019, at least the costumes have become a subtler mix of licensed characters and zombie fantasy, with a bit less over-the-top advertising. However, in 1982, Asteroids made a terrible costume. Atari never created many proper characters that could be licensed for costumes. Maybe the Adventure Dragon or Charlie Chuck? And trying to make a space rock into a viable Halloween monster was not a good choice. In fact, in 2008, Topless Robot named this the number one on the list of the greatest and most pathetic old-school Halloween costumes. Why? Hear their words. A clever bully could, and would, also use this as an excuse to play asteroids by repeatedly punching you in the face. Need we say more? Even if you badly wanted this costume for Halloween, it was still an awful, miserable choice. Next up, Video Maniac Sports Accessories. So what's shown here is an ad 
with obviously an arcade player and he's draped around him are three young women and they're all wearing Video Maniac sports accessories. Believe it or not, while video games were popular in the 80s, I don't recall video game t-shirts or other related clothing to be popular at all. At least not among my friends, the super nerds who played lots of video games. In fact, I didn't own any kind of video game related t-shirt until a friend of mine found a Dig Dug t-shirt at the thrift store in the early 90s and gave it to me. T-shirts in general were not a big fashion item at the time, as most of us were wearing OP shorts and short sleeve OP shirts. At least here in the South Bay we were. However, this did not stop multiple companies from advertising all manner of t-shirts they hoped would appeal to arcaders of the Golden Age. Video Maniac was one of the most enduring ads that ran through nearly every issue of electronic games. By the way, Yugo.com once named Video Maniac one of the scrubbiest video game advertisers of all time. The ad I reviewed for this story from 1983 is my personal favorite because the photo looks like it was taken directly from the back pages of my ninth grade yearbook. These products must have been selling, but to whom? T-shirts sold for $11.95, which was not cheap back then. Almost 30 years later, thanks to you, systematic corporate globalization, outsourcing, offshoring, and worldwide labor exploitation, we can get an Atari shirt at Target for only $9.99. Furthermore, who in the totally serious, non-ironic 80s would have worn a shirt with the words Video Maniac on it without the same bullies who played asteroids on your face using your new Video Maniac shirt to hang you from the top of the ball cage in the boys' locker room. Next up, the Gobbler. This one has to be seen to believe. You have to look at the photo. The Gobbler's gonna get you. Before I leave the video game clothing aisle and onto accessories, I would be remiss to not mention the Gobbler, a product that is wrong in so many ways, it's hard to get the point across without a good picture. Oh, great, we have one. Take a look, then come back over here after your eyes have probably adjusted to the horror that you just witnessed. Okay, here's the description of the ad. It's a hat with what looks like a foam Pac-Man on the front with a mustache? It's really hard to tell. The ad says, look out, the gobbler's gonna get you. Latest video craze, great gift item, order now. Pogrob Pastimes Inc. What is that? Is it supposed to be a cheap Pac-Man ripoff? But... But is that some kind of mustache? Or I imagine this thing had some kind of string that hung down when pulled, made the mouth open and close and pretend to gobble? I would then guess the idea would be to go to the arcade and chase one of the girls from the Video Maniac ad around while pulling the string and saying, the gobbler's gonna get you? Oops, I guess you forgot that her boyfriend is one of those guys who kicked your ass for wearing an Asteroids costume over your Video Maniac muscle tee. Time to run home as fast as possible to put on your bat mitt. Bat mitt. The ad says, the new bat mitt, a video game glove comfortably improving your scores. Bat mitt. You know... To improve your scores, for $2.50 plus 50 cents shipping and handling, you could buy something. It says, new Batmit registered trademark, a video game glove comfortably improving your scores. Thank God Cole Sales in Torrance, California registered that trademark. Whew. They saved themselves a lot of legal headaches trying to stop the massive hordes of other companies rushing into the same space and taking away their business using similar names like Batmit. Oh, they have a left-handed version too. Isn't that just the same as the right-handed one, but turned over on the back side? 
By the way, have you ever noticed that your asteroids costume has short sleeves and no hands? You better buy a pair of bat mitts to make up for it. Next up, the stick station. So, let's suppose you're a tired video maniac arcader who's had enough of masquerading around as an asteroid while playing with your gobbler and wearing a pair of bat mitts. And you just want to challenge your friends to a few games of combat in the privacy of your own house. Was there some kind of product that would help you play better? Of course there was. You could have your arcade action at home with the stick station, a $15 or so piece of wood. This amazing piece of wood could do only what your left hand could do, and that was hold the base of your joystick. The stick station, which looks honestly, and you have to see the picture again, like a 2x4 with the hole cut in the middle, big enough to put an Atari joystick in. And that's it. The ad says, arcade action at home, because the stick station holds your joystick for you. No hand cramps. How did that help you? Well, you could yell, no hand cramp biatches at your friends while blasting their biplanes out of the sky as they rub their sore mandibles and wonder just how you got so good so quickly. What was your secret? Could it be that giant block of walnut finished wood in your lap? Who knows? Next up, the grandstand. Joystick stabilizer and support. Score enhancer. The perfect gift for the avid video gamer and an attractive addition to your TV game machine. Constructed of all solid wood with fine walnut finish. Exotic hardwoods available at an extra cost. Adapts to all popular joysticks. Not to be outdone, after being embarrassed by your block of wood, one of your buddies pulled out the perfect gift a grandstand joystick stabilizer and score enhancer out of his duffel bag and the pendulum of awesome started swinging in his direction. It was a battle to the walnut finish as you struggled to fight off his combat jet, hand crampless for sure, yet still playing with your joystick in your lap with nothing for your left hand to do except hold on your bat mitts and pray for success. You see, your friend didn't even need a lap any longer. The grandstand sat between his legs, supported by his feet, allowing him to sit comfortably and fight off your attacks with ease. Even your attempt to thwart him by making him use an oddly sized yet superior Wico joystick didn't help since the grandstand adapts to all popular joysticks unlike your block of wood. Back in 1982 and 1983, there were scores of these enhancer products designed to take your 3495 plus 250 shipping and handling in the hopes that they would improve your ability to play home video games. I, like others, have always wondered just how many of these types of products were sold back in the day. However, what if there was a product that made all of these products move? One that went full circle and really, truly brought the arcade to your home. How about this? The Family Arcade Enclosure. The ad says, build your own family arcade. Video game enclosure. Enjoy the fun and realism of an arcade in your own home with the Family Arcade, the new video game enclosure. Custom designed plans are now available for Atari and Television, Odyssey 2, ColecoVision, and Sears equivalent systems, with or without voice modules. Plans include layout and cutting drawings, step-by-step assembly drawings and instructions, and a list of all required materials obtainable from your local hardware store for less than $50. It costs $9.99 for the plans. A real arcade cabinet in 
your house. This is the dream of many kids at the time, an arcade machine with multiple games of your own that you could play without quarters. Of course, we already had that with our game consoles, but it didn't feel the same while sitting on the couch with the grandstand between your legs or stick station or laps, and that's because we were not standing. You see, apparently the most comfortable way to play mostly two-player single-screen video games for hours at home was not sitting comfortably on the couch six feet, at least, away from your radiation-spewing electron gun-equipped tube TV. It was crammed together right next to the TV, trying to control your side with a joystick clamped to a hunk of wobbly plywood that your dad hastily constructed from $50 worth of products, oh, and $1,500 worth of power tools from Builders Emporium, specified in a set of $9.99 instructions sent from Beltsville, Maryland. Next up, a video game club. Okay, so now that you have an amazing arcade at home, it's time to get some games for free. You could do that by joining a video game club. Since you spent all your game money and saved up to help buy the parts for and more parts to repair your family arcade at home, there's not much money left over to buy any new games. Near the end of 1982 and 1983, most of the best Atari 2600 games were released. Pitfall, River Raid, Vanguard, Raiders of Lost Ark, Demon Attack, and you needed a quick way to get the best games games for your console. A video game club where you can get free games and discounts plus trade games would seem like a great choice, right? Almost a dozen of these clubs appeared in the back pages of Electronic Games Magazine during the first year of publication, and after reading the fine print, nearly all of them appeared to not quite be the amazing deal as they might have appeared first. Video Fun and Games, Inc. offered you a free game, plus the very tangible benefits of coupons, contests, and newsletters, all for the cheap price of $35 and 4 to 6 weeks for delivery. At the time, many games cost $24.99 to $29.99 each, and shipping from mail order catalogs was $2 to $4. So in essence, you got a game for a bit more than it cost you to buy one at the store with tax or mail order and shipping. Actually, this club was one of the better deals going. Others cost $20 and got you a t-shirt and coupons, but no game. And still others were a bit less, with offers of membership cards and little else. Next up, working for the Wiz. So, after you spent the rest of your money on that video game club, if you really wanted new games, it was time to get a job. The good news was, the pages of Electronic Games, while not overflowing with job listings, did offer some very interesting employment opportunities. There were job listings to work at Atari, Fisher-Price, 20th Century Fox, and even offers to teach you how to repair arcade games. However, the most interesting opportunity was none of those. It was a one-time advertisement offering the amazing opportunity to work with the Ultimate Wiz as an example. Executive assistant. This is what the ad says. You have to see this. Executive assistant to the ultimate whiz. A rare and yes, rare opportunity to be of invaluable service to the all-knowing one, the master of all technology, the ultimate whiz. The UW requires the services of a unique individual to organize and lead the whiz's own club for computer whiz kids. The successful applicant will be an organized lunatic, humorous yet serious, with patience to relate to 300,000 whiz kids, coordinating competitions and events, handling and communications. Last and most importantly, all technical issues will be graciously referred to the ultimate whiz. Interested? Then please write at once. No phone calls or use of obsolete technology. TU Wiz, 730 Broadway, New York, New York, 10003. Apparently, the ultimate whiz promised to be the master of all technology and was going to create his own, uh-oh, computer club for whiz kids. We've searched high and low to find some references to the ultimate whiz other than this advertisement, but we found nothing. Who was the ultimate 
Ultimate Wiz? Or did his club for computer whiz kids ever come to fruition? We just don't know. However, if the Ultimate Wiz was the master of all technology, one wonders if it was he or she who came up with the final item on this list. Space Willy. In the news item, Space Willy looks like a cross between Ralph Mouth and the alien from the Quisp cereal box. Here is what the news item said. Space Willie touches down. With the debut of a hapless space far named Space Willie, Delmar Entertainment is introducing a new character to the licensing industry. Along with his girl Devon, his dog Quark, and the evil prince Emil Evil Man, Space Willie will soon begin appearing in amusement centers all over the country. Look out for Willie in crew lounges family-oriented restaurants, and Quark's Caverns, dining and dancing video centers that have special appeal for young adults. Space Willie was less a product and more an idea or a licensing play. Aimed by their own admission at young adults, Space Willie just might be the worst idea ever conceived. At a time when the average age of subscribers of Electronic Games Magazine was 21 years old, and even most kids who played video games, at least in my experience, played them with a ferocity and vigor as if they were striving to be adults at the same time, creating an uber nerd that looked like he could be beat up by a four-year-old was not a good idea. Space Willie looks like he just removed his asteroids mask and was getting ready to put on his gobbler for some action. And are those bat mitts he's wearing in each hand? Again, you have to go to the website and look at the images here. It appears that Space Willie was destined for a life as a major character in arcades and restaurants, but surprisingly, it never happened. Why? Because again, it may have been the worst idea ever conceived. In a way, Space Willie is the perfect product to end this list, as it sums up everything about the golden age of video games and how they were created, marketed, and sold. For the most part, video games became popular not because they were marketed well or because someone came up with a great pitch or slogan that caught on and swept up the masses. Video games caught on because, at their core, they were a revolutionary and enjoyable way to spend time alone or with your friends. In fact, the best years of the golden age of video games were almost over when the first mass-market advertising appeared in and on a regular basis in Electronic Games Magazine, which is March 1982. Space Willie, in fact, who appeared in late 1983, proves, to me anyway, why Golden Age video games failed in the early 80s. The business world still did not get what games and gamers were all about. The whole business world was not ready for the rise of video games, nor were they prepared to alter or change plans based on the idea that there was an ever-changing entertainment medium instead of a fad to milk until kids' pockets were dry. Most video game companies did not really know what games to make. Retailers didn't know which games were good or how much of each one to buy and marketers had no idea what or how to sell to the masses of hardcore video game fans. Thus, ideas like Space Willie, video game clubs, asteroids, Halloween costumes, bat mitts, the gobbler, stick stations, and the ultimate whiz fill the void instead of real solid ideas about how to move the medium of video games forward. Instead, it took a massive crash, shakeout, and financial meltdown for everyone to wise up and get serious and start creating the right products for the right audience. We've created a very special enhanced YouTube version of this podcast. Go to YouTube and search for Into the Vertical Blank to find it.
Next frame calculated. Prepare to write new data. V blank ending. An 8-Bit Rocket Studios production.